This is Molly Jansen with The Legal Bender, and today we're going to be talking about domestic violence and the consequences that come with it. This is Molly Jansen, and welcome to The Legal Bender. Today I have Tom Nellison, who is of counsel with my firm. And we today have decided that because the football season is upon us, and because we see a huge increase over the football season of domestic violence uh, cases, not only misdemeanor and felonies, that we thought we would take this opportunity to educate all of you of what that really looks like, um, what qualifies as domestic violence, what happens to you if you're arrested, um, what it looks like when you appear in front of court, and sort of how the court processes you um, in those set of circumstances, plus all the collateral damage such as um, restraining orders and losing your kids and being forced out of perhaps your job and or your living situation. So um, that's, I think, you know, in my mind, something that's coming up on the forefront. So we figure we're going to do some preemptive strike here and educate you guys so that we can um, make sure that we're doing everything we can to protect you in the future. So welcome, Tom. Hello. That's a very, very good uh entrance into this podcast obviously with the broncos season just right around the corner we are expecting an influx of domestic violence cases so i think the first thing i want to touch upon is what qualifies as a dv right is you know everyone's kind of got this feeling or this thought that you know you have to touch somebody you have to hit them you have to beat them up Um, And that's just not the case. That's Uh, not the case at all. You know, you can get a domestic violence charge for taking your significant other. um, And let me back that up. Uh, You know, to have DV, you have to be in an intimate relationship with somebody or it has to have been pretty recent in order for the court to give that tag because domestic violence is not itself a, a charge. It's actually a sentencing enhancer that triggers a whole different statute of how you can be sentenced and what's required. But let's say you're in a fight with your significant other and you take their phone so they can't call the police or they can't call for help. That's called telephone obstruction. That qualifies as domestic violence. Um, Give us some more. Or if you just have an argument with your spouse, if somebody calls the police, that's going to be charged as a domestic violence. Because you've got harassment, you can use foul language. Um, You know, here's another one. When you have a breakup, we see this one a lot. And you send 75,000 text messages, that's <laughs> harassment. <laughs> when you say things that are really outside scope using horrible language or sending um, things to, like, say, their bosses or their friends or posting things on social media, um, not just once, but more than that, over and over, that is harassment. That's DV. Stalking is DV. Um, you know, all of those kinds of things, plus, obviously, third-degree assault, second-degree assault, touching your partner, shoving, striking, kicking. Um, but it's a lot of different things. In fact, another one which people don't get is criminal mischief. So let's say you're hanging out with significant other, this is spouse, whoever, and you break their TV. Guess what? If that's over a certain amount to fix that, that's a felony. So um, you guys need to be mindful of that. Um, taking someone's car keys in a fight, um, that's false imprisonment. Um, you know, those kinds of things. So be really mindful. And, you know, I don't know about you, Tom, but I know some factors that play into DV and not just somebody who has a history of domestic violence, but what about, I don't know, drugs? That always seems to kick in. Alcohol. Alcohol. Yeah. Um, you know, and Tom, you can talk about this. And, you know, once once the cops are called and uh, you're in this situation, what happens? You will be arrested, even though the statutes don't necessarily require an arrest. 
the police officers are going to come into your house and they're going to say, somebody called, we have to arrest somebody. And they don't have to, but in their mind, they do. So you end up with a situation that if they don't arrest somebody and something else happens, then they're looking at a significant liability issue. So rather than taking the way out that they used to when they turn around and they just take you to a hotel and tell you to sleep it off, they don't do that anymore. The hotel you're going to is the Gray Bars Motel there at the county jail. Yep, into the penalty box you go. And here's the bad thing with that is you can't call somebody to bond you out. You have to wait because of the fast track system, which we'll talk about. You have to see a judge in order for a judge to set a bond at the recommendation of not only an evaluation um, when you get into jail, but also with the district attorney. And they're going to be looking at criminal history. They're going to be looking at all sorts of different factors, flight risk, all of that to determine what your bond is going to be. Anything from a PR bond, which is personal recognizance, where you don't need a bondsman, you don't need to pay money, to... Um, up to thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending. Um, and you can't get out of jail until you see that judge. And if you get arrested um, on a Friday or a Thursday, you may not see a judge till Monday. And now your job is at, um, at stake. And, you know, here's the other problem is that once once you're in this situation, right, you're going to have a mandatory protection order put in place that um, that may not allow you to go to work because you work together. It may not, and that includes lawyers and doctors, and you don't get to violate restraining orders because of the industry in which you work in, although I know someone who got an exception, and that was ridiculous, but that all being said, and in the legal field, um, but that all being said, you could lose your job, and you also may own the house that you live with your partner in, and you may pay for that house, and you may be kicked out of the house that you own even before you got into that relationship, and they get to live there for free. Because you're required to take on those expenses. And that's a huge problem. And now you have to find somewhere else to live. And now you have to get a lawyer to get through all of that. But here's what you don't want to do. And Tom, what is that when you get arrested? You do not want to enter a guilty plea. Generally, what they'll do is they'll take you into the the court Monday morning. They will turn around and the DA will talk to you. And you'll ask, I want to get out of jail. And they'll say, if you plead guilty, you will get out of jail. We will get you a PR bond. It's not their call. You need to plead not guilty or just let them know that you want to have an attorney and then ask the judge to give you a PR bond or whatever bond he thinks is appropriate, preferably a PR bond, and then you'll get out anyway. You don't have to enter a guilty plea. That's ridiculous. It's not the prosecution's position. It's not their place to say if you sign this form, you will get out of jail. Yeah, and the other thing you guys need to be really aware of is that if you're in a domestic violence situation and you're in court determining bond, that hearing is pretty vital, right? Because not only is the mandatory protection going into place and you need somebody to advocate for you about, hey, look, the victim needs to leave or whatever needs to happen or I'm her boss. Why am I leaving? You know, those kinds of things. But in addition to that, beyond that, it may impact your child parenting time if you're in a divorce or it, you know, it may impact whether you're able to see your kids if you're not um but you know and here's the other thing that that victim is entitled to be at every single court appearance through the pendency of your case there's nothing you can do about it which means you may walk into court 
getting arrested on Thursday or whatever, coming to court Monday, and there is your victim, and they get to speak at every court date. And you have to imagine what some of those statements are going to look like. And um, that can be very impactful, but never take a plea to get out of jail. It will ruin your life because the consequences, and Tom, why don't you tell them a little bit about that if once you're convicted of, like, let's say a misdemeanor DV. Even a misdemeanor DV, you could you could look at significant jail time. You could look at classes, which you're going to f- be forced to do. Yeah, those are mandatory, at least 36 weeks. 36 weeks of classes. And you also have to keep in mind that most of these cases are because of an argument that maybe have got a little bit out of hand. Police get called, somebody gets arrested. The other party goes into court saying, I don't want this. I'm not pushing this. It's not their choice. It's the prosecution's choice to push it. Once once the complaint is done, once the arrest is made, now the, the victim is merely a witness. They have no bearing whatsoever with how the prosecution is going to handle the case. So what ends up happening is you're looking at being out of your house. You're going to be restricted from parenting time, especially if the kids were present. And that is never a situation that you want to get in because oh, those kids do not deserve that type of r- remedy from the court. Even though the kids weren't involved, they still will put the kids on the restraining order and you have to go back into court and fight to get them off the off the restraining order well, so then, you actually have parenting time. Totally. And then what about the cases where they then the, others, the victim files for divorce and then now you're getting court orders into a district court that's saying, no, there's not parent, uh, there's not, um, you know, parenting time. And that can really cause a huge issue because, look, if you're if you're away from your kiddos for enough of a period of time, then you have to go through integration and supervised parenting. This thing will rock your world. And just because you you think the jury won't convict you that's you got to be careful but also and then i want tom to finish up on what he was saying for consequences is that just because a victim says that they're not going to go forward doesn't mean the prosecution won't go forward on their behalf they get to make that call that's correct and usually what will happen is once the prosecution has it it used to be in the old days that they would go ahead and dismiss cases if the if the victim didn't want to pursue it or if they weren't going to cooperate Nowadays, they won't do that simply because of liability issues. If they do dismiss a case and then you go back into the into the home, you commit the same type of offense, maybe somebody gets seriously injured or killed, now the prosecution has a liability issue that they're dealing with. So what they end up doing is they will continue to push the case forward until trial. They will not ask right. to dismiss the case. They will merely tell the judge, we don't have a witness, we cannot go forward then it's our job as defense attorneys to ask the court to dismiss the case. Only the court will dismiss the case. And that puts the liability more on the court than on the DA's office and kind of gets them out of the ringer. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing is that and we hear that a lot, mainly in misdemeanor cases, not so much in felonies, because often a lot of felony cases get into strangulation, attempted murder, first or second degree assault, where there's a long history of abuse. And it's pretty nasty stuff. Not in every case, but in a lot of them, there seems to be a vast difference between misdemeanor and felony court when it comes to that. But, you know, a lot of um, a lot of clients will violate those restraining orders and have contact with that with that partner because they're like, oh, we were drinking. We were on drugs. I blew this out of proportion and now I want this to go away. And then sure enough, 
that victim gets personally served and they are required under the law that if you are personally served, you must appear in court. If you receive a postcard, nobody has to go to court. That's not proper service, nor is a phone call from an investigator or a district attorney. Only personal service by a person handing it to you. But that, you know, now they're in court or they think that that victim is going to come in and recant and change their story. And that's not enough either. And you can never just rely upon that when you are going through a case like this because it impacts so many different things. And I don't know how many times I've seen it backfire where my client is adamant, adamant, adamant. And I'm telling them, quit violating their straining order. And now we get a violation of protection order because... They unleashed in a text message or on the telephone or whatever it is, or they drove by their house or they stopped at their office or whatever it is. And now you're just picking up cases and DV is nasty. It gets very entangled in all sorts of different areas. And, you know, it's difficult for attorneys to navigate all of this when, you know, when when such a mess is presented which is why you need attorneys that know what they're doing and who have been licensed for a very long period in time and have done hundreds of trials. So that's what we do here at my firm is, you know, we have three amazing attorneys with, gosh, Tom has 29 years of experience. I've got him with 17. Chris Halser has almost 19. And we've done hundreds and hundreds of trials, and we know how to navigate this. We know what it looks like for impact in domestic relations cases. We know how to modify protection orders. We know how to, to do all of this so that we can try to minimize the damage. But the other thing that you all have to understand is that if there are drugs and alcohol involved, and when you go to that hearing for your bond, which is required, they're going to determine if you're going on something called pretrial supervision. And that may include blood or ETGs, um, breathalyzers, monitoring your sobriety, your analysis, and a GPS unit, which means they track where you go. And that stuff is so expensive, and they're not letting you off for at least the first 60 days from date of arrest. And that's if you're lucky, um, because the judges take these cases seriously. The state of Colorado takes these cases seriously. But you have to be super mindful um, about what that looks like. And, you know, the reason we're talking about this is high emotion. We're talking Thanksgiving, huge family fights, always end up in DV. All of Broncos season, I swear to God, whenever they're playing on TV, it's like the jails are full. Christmas, because there's a lot of pressure, right? Or Hanukkah, when there's gifts involved. Valentine's Day, that's a big one. Oh, my gosh. And the dreaded St. Patrick's Day. Oh, my God. DUIs and domestic violence. They go hand in hand. Don't they? You know, theft is always huge during Christmas, too. But, man, and we have seen, I have personally seen so many lives be wrecked. And I have also seen tons of parents lose parenting time all because of a misunderstanding and or because the client just flat out did what they were accused of doing. Um, And so, you know, the best strategy is take 10 and try again. Walk away. The best way to to diffuse a situation is to leave, even if the partner is screaming at you. The one I hear um, people say all the time is, well, you're running away. You're putting your head in the sand, instigating a further fight. No, they're leaving. They're getting um, in a lift. They're walking away. They're going to a neighbor's house. That is what you do in a situation like that because the consequence is just dire if you don't, right? That is correct. Um, and so, you know, we just see it so often. I talk about this on KBPI all the time when it comes up to this season. You'll hear about it on Monday when I'm on it from 9 to 10. You know, I'm, I saw that there's games on and preseason is here. And I'm like, oh, no. I know it's coming. Um, And then, you know, the other thing is in felony court, and the big difference between misdemeanors and felonies is that you go to DOC. Man, what a game changer. 
What a game changer. And if you have a criminal history and prior DVs, man, it's tough. And women are charged just as often, not as often as men, but they are charged a lot. So this is not a podcast where we are only um, sort of advocating on the side of men. We are we are telling everyone in these circumstances because abuse goes in both ways. Men, women, same-sex relationships, you name it, it, there, it, it is everywhere. Um, and so you got to be mindful of that. And one of the things to keep in mind with these restraining orders is even the most innocent little gesture can result in a restraining order violation and some serious issues. For example, when, when I used to work in the court system, we had a vice president from one of the major financial institutions charged with a DV. He sent his wife a dozen roses with a letter, a note saying, I'm sorry. And he got a violation restraining order and got hammered because he violated the restraining order on the criminal case. So it can be even an innocent gesture like that that could cause a significant issue. Anytime you're thrown in jail, obviously, for most of us, we haven't been in jail before. Calling God. Exactly. (laughs) It's a scary situation. And even when you're trying to do something kind, like send your spouse a dozen roses in in a I'm sorry letter, you still are putting yourself in a very bad position. Yeah, do not do, just don't do that. The other thing is, is and I think Tom picked up on a, <clears throat> excuse me, a really good point is third party contact that. And here's another one. So you, well, let me, let me pick about that. So you ask a friend to go to the victim. Hey, are you going to go to court? What are you doing? Those are things that are going to nail you. And the other one is social media. So uh, creating fake profiles and then making contact, you'll get busted. It's not that hard to get a footprint on Facebook to figure out exactly who you are and what you're doing. And that's how stalking cases are charged because it's really not that difficult. Also, blocked numbers. There is an app actually that we lawyers use that we can actually determine where that blocked number came from. And law enforcement can also find it. In addition to that, when they take your phones, if evidence, if they're open, they can download all of your text messages from the last six months, even if they were deleted. So let me tell you, you're not hiding. And fake profiles are the dumbest thing that you can do. They will be, they, they, you will get caught. Um, and the, and the block phone calls are just so stupid because everyone knows it's you. And once, now that technology has caught up with that strategy of stalkerism, if you will, they figured out, you know what? We can go ahead and figure out who that was. So be careful. And just as dumb as the fake profiles, we have, <laughs> so we dumb. have, we have clients who will go into their spouse's Facebook account or their spouse's Twitter account and and post things. Again, that can be considered as stalking. You're not supposed to be in their accounts, so stay out of their accounts. Oh, yeah, and then they go into maneuver stuff, and they're like, well, I had the passwords. Well, that's not your account. That's exactly right. So go ahead and do stupid stuff like that, or contact their boss, or contact their friends, or um, post stuff on reviews. All of that is going to land you in now probably not only a violation unless you're able to... Uh, swing through it, which is uncommon except for the one attorney we're talking about. But other than that, like you're going to get busted, but also they're going to run right to civil court and get a permanent protection order that even when your case is over, you're still going to have a protection order. And that is going to follow you to get a house for rental on a mortgage, on a license, on anything. And you will never be able to escape that even if your case is dismissed because that temporary protection order out of the court only lasts as long as the court the case is pending and as long as the sentence is pending, unless it's modified. But civil 
Whew, you got that for life. No guns. Also, if you're convicted of domestic violence ever, it takes a very long time in order to, um, one, earn the right to petition for your gun rights back. Then you have to petition them and you may not get them. So, and God forbid you ever have a DV and you can't have a gun and you get caught with one, you're charged with a class six felony for possession by a previous offender. No good. So these are all things that, you know, you have to think of. But more importantly, I also want to talk to the victims. I am a victim of domestic violence, right? It's something you are embarrassed about, you are ashamed of, and you don't want to talk about, particularly if your spouse or your partner is in a, in a high position in the community or in a job or not. But the reality is go to a shelter, Call, um, get on the internet, go to Denver Safe House. There are places in every single one of our counties where you can get to a safe place where there are groups and individual meetings where you can go and get support and, um, you know, find what you need. And as a victim in a domestic relations or domestic violence case, guess what? The DA's office that charges it is automatically going to give you a victim advocate. They are there to encourage you and to keep you on track so that you don't falter because you're afraid that you're going to be in more trouble if they're convicted or that they're going to continue to stalk you or harass you if the, if you don't withdraw the case and that you're never going to be able to escape it. And that is true in most cases in real true domestic violence. You never really truly get away from it. But there are people and resources and within the DA's office in order to assist you to get through this process so that you can stay strong, find your voice. Um, but we are absolutely and I am absolutely for making sure that all resources are available and that I encourage you to find them, even though we do defense work um, in this area it's, it's just vital that we're also looking out for victims as well in order to really do what we should be doing um, as a responsible law firm in this community. But it's a nasty, it's a pretty nasty thing. And so I really encourage any of you to call my office at 303-832-5400 to ask questions if you're a victim or if you're a defendant. Um, you know, it's always good to have a free consultation and really get the information straight up if you find yourself in this position because the ramifications are just really life-changing um, for everyone. And so we are here for that. Email us um, if you think that we need to expand upon a particular topic in a podcast about this. We're happy, happy to do that. So, you know, we just want you to know that we're the firm that is accessible that we are here to answer questions. I often even answer questions in areas of law I don't practice in anymore because I practiced in all of them when I started my firm. But we're all pretty, um, we're pretty up to speed in many areas, even though that's not what we practice anymore. Um, and we're here to help the community in that respect. But we're really also here to help defendants who are in the justice system, which is scary. It's complicated. You don't need to be felt like you hired an attorney, they left you, they don't communicate with you, they don't do anything for you. That is not what we do here. We meet with our clients all the time. We constantly are making sure we're in the loop, that you know what's going on. Um, and we really pride ourselves on that here. And um, But these cases are pretty serious. And one of the main issues that we see are you want to make sure that if there's a resource out there that you can use, that you do actually use that. Even if it's to ensure that you don't get in the same position another time. Exactly. You'll be able to see the red flags go up when you're in a relationship and you see something going awry. You'll know when you should act, when you should call, when you should walk away. You'll be able to pick those things up. Those resources are extremely important. You definitely want to at least have those in your pocket. 
I agree. So I think, you know, that covers a lot of the issues. Um, I think, you know, we've hit all the highlights. In fact, we've even hit more than just the highlights to educate everybody. Um, but, you know, certainly, you know, we're doing these podcasts regularly. Um, we're posting them on Mondays um, in LinkedIn, on um, my Naked and Afraid site, on my law firm, Jansen Legal, on Facebook. I don't do Twitter. I don't know how. And I, I just don't don't ask me to do it. It's not happening ever. <laughs> so don't write me a comment on some email. You should do Twitter. I'm not doing it. I um, sent you a tweet. I sent you. I'm like, I'll laugh. It just, <laughs> I don't even have the app. Um, so if you've got a topic that you really want to hear more about, also let us know. Um, feel free to call us 303-832-5400. We are so super accessible. Um, we even take messages over the weekend, and often we will even return those messages given the circumstances. We tend to try not to do that because we do have a life. I know that's shocking. Um, but if you're in a really dire situation and you've just been arrested, we're happy to, you know, we get those messages and we'll dive in if necessary. Otherwise, we'll get to Monday. But please feel that this is an interactive podcast, that we are here. If you have questions, you can also go on to KBPI and call them on Monday mornings from 9 to 10 a.m. I am there to answer all sorts of different questions. But we encourage podcast topics. We look at what's going on right now in our community, what's going on nationwide, but also getting down and dirty into what the real process of some of these charges look like and you know we'll we've hit DUI um, you know you can certainly pick that back up again but DV we'll talk about theft we'll talk about drugs we're going to talk about all of it over the course of these so that everyone really gets it we're going to talk about your right to remain silent and what that really means and when it is invoked and when that needs to happen and all that good stuff so um, you know as always don't drink and drive make good choices take 10 and walk away and we're going to be back in just a few minutes because we do have some questions um via email from last week so sit tight you are listening to a doapodcast.com production do you want to do a podcast doapodcast.com we come to your location set up our equipment and we make a podcast for you from start to finish doapodcast.com so, Tom, um, we actually got a ton of questions. Uh, some were a little bit um, outside scopes, but um, I'll answer those maybe next week. Um, but here's the one I've got. What's the difference between jail and prison? I think this is really good. So hit it. That's an interesting one. The uh, jail obviously comes from misdemeanor cases. You might get jail as a result of a probation on a felony. Very minimal jail can be as a condition of probation on a felony. If you don't have a felony conviction or a misdemeanor conviction, then you're not going to be worrying about jail, obviously. So just stay away from the criminal justice system. <laughs> yeah, let's go however, with that. Don't, don't however, commit crimes. If you commit a felony and you get sent- sentenced, you can get sentenced to a number of different things, comcore, jail, probation. If you get sentenced in a felony case to prison, they're going to say you're going to go to prison. It can be for, depending on your case, for six months all the way up to life. So you're looking at what they call the big house, and you're looking at a, a number of offenders who are very violent in jail, in prison. In jail, it's a little more lax simply because you don't have the amount of serious criminals in there. Mm-hmm. The um, conditions are completely different. You could have 23-hour lockdown in the in the maximum security prisons. Obviously yeah, that's you not can, fun. Obviously, you can get, you can get uh, isolation in jail, but that's because of some idiotic thing you probably done while you were there 
but the prison system is much more significant and much more horrendous than the county jail system. Well, and I think also, I mean, uh, and just to, to sort of piggyback that, if you're in a misdemeanor, you don't go to prison. Correct. It's just that simple. You go to county jail and it is what it is. And if you get a felony conviction and you end up with a prison sentence, you go to prison, not county jail, unless you get a deal that allows for that. But um, when you go to prison, you can go anywhere. You don't have to stay in the state of Colorado. We have tons of people from other states who are horrendous offenders that are in our jails down in Sterling and other or prisons. Um, and so there's a huge difference. And if you have a long criminal history, prison can be very viable for you. It's not pretty. So, I mean, essentially, um, jail is county and prison is DOC. I mean, it's uh, it's a big jump. And in prison, depending on what type of charge you are, are convicted of, if it's a child-related charge, a child Ugh. sex assault, a child... Uh, child abuse charge resulting in death, you're going to be walking around with a big old target on your back because for whatever reasons, rapists don't like murderers, murderers don't like rapists. But exactly. when it comes to when it comes to people who hurt children, everybody's against them. So you're going to have a big, a, a big problem there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So hope that answers your question and answers it for everybody else, because I think there does get some confusion. Like DUIs can be a felony, but if it's a third or lower, it's a misdemeanor, you know, that kind of stuff. But again, if you have a question about that, just give us a call. 303-832-5400. Send me a message on Jansen Legal on Facebook or give us an email at mollyjansen at jansenlegal.com and we'll take care of you. Thanks. This has been a Do A Podcast production. Want to do a podcast? Doapodcast.com.